0: props.
1: Good deal. Uh, yeah, well, yeah, you're, the, you're the first person to, to bring props since Teresa Richardson. Teresa had a life-size picture of her and I think oh, uh, at her co-host from uh, <laughs> from Good Evening or PM Magazine that she right. had. Oh, uh,
2: that's
0: sweet.
1: Well, this is what, about uh, two-fifths of the morning zoo? Well,
0: right. Well, the half, right? I mean, there's four of us. I always think of us as a as a, a quad unit, right, Dan? Is that how you figure it? A nuclear family? Yeah. <laughs> and as I've always said, there'll be no morning zoo reunion as long as Sean Murphy remains dead. But he's not dead, Mr. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, well, originally in, in 84, when we came on, it was uh, Gary, Gary, Brian, Dano, myself, and news goddess Lorna D. So it was the four of us.
1: It changed a little bit throughout the years, right? I I mean, I think I, you know, John was was there for a long time. Didn't didn't you have Valerie Ring was a sidekick?
2: Valerie (laughs) Ring had quite a repertory theater. We considered it, and so uh, if somebody went missing, we always had somebody in the waiting in the wings that would that would have all the other foibles (laughs) that the other person didn't. There were several like incarnations, but I mean, Dan,
0: for you. And for me, I always think of like, you know, 84 to 88 was kind of the sweet spot. You know, I think early 90s, it was, it got a little more, you know, challenging, but um, that late 80s, I think we hit our peak.
2: Yeah, I, I, you know, we we started really strong. uh, So we started in 84. And that was right when the culture was happening. And so we we're kind of riding the wave yeah, of yeah. the MTV generation and the music that, you know, so we built this on a, on a great foundation of music and popular culture. So, uh, And then the wheels fell off for a while about the time the stock market tanked in the late yeah. 80s. right? And then we kind of had to regroup and we were doing all kinds of weird things. But, um, you know, it came back strong again in the 90s. Uh, I was part of most of it.
1: So the the way I look at it now is when you guys started, you were kind of irreverent, uh, youth culture, push the envelope, stick it to the man. (laughs) And and now you guys are the man.
0: (laughs) I think we were just trying to have fun. Really, I mean, we definitely were um, the new brand. Mm -hmm. Um, But in those days, you know, there was less competition. So, I mean, anybody under 30 was listening to us, just sort of by default. Um, there weren't the choices and the different ways of accessing stuff, but I think, you know, I think we just were trying to have, have fun. I mean, we were young, creative, energetic people, and we had this big toy to play with, you know, so big radio stations, great.
1: Yeah, I can remember that feeling uh, because I was an intern at KGW in their sports department. And then I got hired on as their third sports reporter. Uh, you know, and that, that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to be a you know a sports guy, and uh, you know, about you know a month and a half in, the weekend anchor took uh, some time off, and all of a sudden, I was doing the weekend sports, and I thought, man, I can't believe they've handed this huge animal and responsibility to me. (laughs) It could never happen again, Carl. So, Dan, were you always a radio guy?
2: Uh, From the time I was about 15, 16, I actually lived in a small town, and I started at a small radio station. You couldn't do that in Portland, but it was a small town with one radio station. And I actually went to them when I was in high school and asked them to train me. And they did. And this was, I demand to be trained. Help me, please. And they were willing to give it a shot because they needed, you know, a weekend person to run all the church tapes on Sunday mornings. And yeah. um, I honest to God, this is back when you had to get a license yeah. from the FCC. and hey, have a, the, a the Tower of under- Readings. Yes. yeah learn how to do all that but they weren't i was in eastern washington way up by spokane and they had no test in the whole state except in seattle so imagine this my mom and dad let me borrow their car their family car and me and my friend drove to seattle for 300 miles when i was 16 just so i could take this test oh gosh and so yeah i've been in the, i've been on the radio i would just loved radio ever since i was a kid yeah
1: I kind of did the same thing at KVAN in Vancouver because uh, they you know, they had that small radio station there. It was country music for the most of the time. But I, I went up to them and said, hey, uh, do you need like a sports announcer? And, and they let me do uh, color on a high school basketball game, and they realized that I wasn't an idiot. And then I did uh, like overnight weekends running the board and uh, had to go to the transmitter and look up and see that the light was still on and check it off and that kind of stuff. Oh,
2: <laughs> um, right.
1: Yeah.
0: All of this was distracting us from the real reason we got into radio was to meet girls. There's <laughs> See, that's why you get in radio.
1: No kidding. Wow, that's a classic.
0: Now you you're, t- you're darn right it's a classic.
1: Tony There's- and Olivia Newton John.
0: Tanya Harding. Hello, in, in ha- just friends in happier times. Here's here's Dan and his wife. No, no. That's Connie Breeze. That's Dan, uh, Mark Knopfler, and uh, Randy Newman, and me. Nice. Yeah, I got a whole pile of. Tricks you know, here. Uh,
1: I discovered Tanya Harding. Did you? Yeah. It's it's official. When um when she was 13 and skating, her coach called our newsroom and got to the sports department. I don't know why she did it, and she said, "You know, you all those national senior ladies that are doing triple jumps and stuff like that." Uh, I'm coaching a, 13 year old that can do five triple jumps. That's more than anybody in the, and, cause she was so athletic. Yeah. And yes. I said, well, what the hell? And a photographer and I got up real early in the morning. We went out to Beaverton ice arena and interviewed Tanya and she did all her stuff. And two years later, she was, you know, in the, in the national championships, a few years more later, she was, uh, in trouble. Uh, but yeah, I, I did the first ever story on Tanya Harding when she was 13 wow. years so old.
2: There you go. Wow. Well, congratulations. So you're yeah, the reason.
1: Exactly. <laughs> I did a speech. I did a speech once where I, I apologized for that. <laughs> I'd like to apologize <laughs> for that. Uh, and Tony, you're, you're a Portland kid, right?
0: No, I grew up in San Francisco, in the okay. Bay Area. Moved here after high school. Uh, you know, just worked for a couple of years. Went to community college. Went to Portland Community College. Took radio broadcasting classes. Um, just kind of lucked into the job. Frankly, um, at 100 back in '84. Remember, I was waiting in the lobby to talk to Gary Bryan. The um, program director and um, I was sitting in the lobby, and Prince "Let's Go Crazy" was playing to sort of, you know, give you a, a sense of the era. But um, I remember I went in, and I had been uh, off for like uh, three months. I, mean, my girlfriend drove a van down to Baja California, like this kind of endless summer, kind of fun thing, right? So I hadn't had any income for about three months. I was broke. Um, and Gary goes, "Well, okay, I, you know, we'll hire you on know, as draft reporter and." Um, and I go, well, you know, in the morning is fine, but I should be in the afternoon too, right? Because people driving home, gotta, you know, have the same traffic information. And um, he goes, okay. He goes, well, how's a hundred bucks a week sound? And I go, sounds pretty good. <laughs> because of course I've been making no money for three months. I got home, I told my girlfriend, she goes, um, that's 400 bucks a month before taxes. Are you an idiot? <laughs> anyway, but but not, not long later, there I was with Sting and Dan's wife, Teresa, Backstage at some uh, awesome concert. See, see how life can turn around, boys and girls.
1: Yeah, you're not making any money, but you got a hell of a great yeah. photo album.
2: That's, that's <laughs> why really right you can't afford um, to pay in the album. That's the problem. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, that's my abridgy, abridged abridged
0: uh, story of how it all began.
1: So, how uh, uh, was it? Was it a group effort? And then it became the morning zoo, or did you, or was it okay? We're going to buy this franchise, the zoo franchise, and plug people in, Dan.
2: Well, uh, the Z100 uh, logo actually was stolen from a station in New York who had the same moniker. And so, our company, before we were hired, just decided they were going to use that name too. And that happens, you know, there are a lot of Z100s throughout the country around, you know, we called one in Mexico and heard him on the air speaking Spanish. It was kind of cool, but- yeah. You gave there was this accent in the ring shot. It was pretty interesting. Was yeah. Just, that that was is a burrow as a sidekick. It was yeah. A kunga, a kunga, more than a uh But the morning zoo was something that started in Jacksonville, Florida, I think at, the, at WAPE. And then it went on to Houston and the name, somebody invented that name but they didn't ever copyright it or trademark it, so everybody in the world started doing it. We were one of the first ones, but there were, you know, a number of zoos all over the country. So, so that
1: that was not a franchise that the KKRZ had to purchase. No, it was it was floating out there in, uh, uh, yes. basically in. Uh, the, the world for anybody to use if they if they wanted to have a morning uh, uh, show like that. Well,
2: I, I knew the people that started the, uh, the original and they just kicked themselves that they didn't trademark that name because it became a public domain. And once it was used, they couldn't, it was, the horse was out of the barn. So uh-huh. we kind of uh-huh. took this idea and brought it and made it a Portland thing. And so the program director um, basically hired the ensemble that he thought would fit that mold.
1: And Tony, you were Officer Tony.
2: Yeah, that
0: was just uh, you know Gary. There's Gary and I and Tina Turner. There's uh, Gary Bryan. He was the original program director. He um, said, uh, "Okay, traffic reporter, we're going to call you Officer Tony." And I said, "You know what? For a hundred bucks a week, we can call me whatever you want." (laughs) (laughs) And then they just passed. People still like to this day. And you know that was what 37 years ago when I got that job. um, Officer
1: Tony. Yeah, nice. I love that. uh, Well, that's interesting to find out that it wasn't actually a franchise because those kind of labels are are really important to radio shows or or different, uh, you know, broadcast entities. I had a great story from KGW TV. They uh, they bought their own Doppler radar system, uh, which because they wanted to be able to tell the audience, you know, we don't rely on the National Weather Service. We have our own Doppler weather, you know, satellite thing. And it was always going to be Doppler 8, you know, kind of, kind of like Chopper 8 and that kind of stuff. And uh, we're getting Doppler 8. We're getting ready to break it out. And Dave Selesky told me that like minutes before he went on the air with the first ever uh, exposure of this new Doppler radar system for KGW, somebody from upstairs in some meeting came running down and said, it's not Doppler 8. It's not Doppler, it's <laughs> Doppler 8. It's Doppler 8000. Oh, even better! Exactly, a thousand times better than Doppler Eight. <laughs> oh my gosh! Same oh, system, yeah. Same everything, yeah. but a better label.
2: Yeah. Wow! <laughs> was this uh, a cease and desist that you received, or was this just somebody else's marketing idea?
1: No, they just thought it was it would sound better.
2: Oh, it sound better.
1: Yeah, oh. Doppler yeah. Eight. That's nothing. Doppler Eight Thousand. That's got to be worth <laughs> it. You know. <laughs> Well, oh. HAL
2: 9000 in 2001, I guess he wouldn't have been very good if he was just HAL 2 or HAL 9.
0: Well, when I think back on, on when we first got going, and maybe Dan, you agree, um, I, I think, you know, we connected with the audience pretty instantly. It was a pretty meteoric rise, you know. There was KMJK, Magic 107, and then we kind of came in and sort of blew everything up. But um I think people kind of sensed the energy and the the irreverence and the creativity. And in those days, man, if we had an idea, like at, you know, three in the afternoon, the next morning we were doing it. You know, there was going to go through a lot of process to get things on the air or get a promotion going or get an idea started. I mean, we could, there was such freedom to to do what we wanted to do. And I think people tuned in because they sensed that that, uh, honesty and that that, uh, fun and that irreverence. And that um, immediacy of what we could just
2: pull off, you know. I I agree with that. I mean, absolutely. You know, Tony mentioned Gary Bryan, who's a program director, and he was a morning show host as well. And, yeah, he was just a couple of years older than we were and, you know, pretty much a visionary and did more experienced. But he said that, I love this phrase, he says, find out where the parade is going and get in front of it. Yeah. And it was a really great theory of, of, you know, and especially pop culture was just exploding in all kinds of arenas with music and sport and fashion. Everything was getting extreme in the 80s right when we launched. And so there were a lot of opportunities and a lot of parades and we had to pick from which one to, to, to jump in front of. But we we usually did the right thing and pick something that people would react to and were happy about.
1: Yeah, exactly. it was uh, kind of if you think about kind of like a writer's room for a late night talk show, like yeah. you know, like Conan show or yeah. the shows that after you know after the Tonight Show or after uh, Letterman, where you had a little more freedom to do what you wanted to do. But you came up with an idea, it sounds like, and right. said, "Why not?" And the next morning, you're executing. Yeah,
0: yeah. Oh. yeah. But, but see, I, I think that kind of freshness, I think, is what made it so exciting to listen to. You know, because um, people knew that we were just sort of making this up as we went along. It wasn't like you know, we have been playing things for months and then execute it. You know, in this perfectly evolved form, we we kind of were going for it, so it was very exciting that way.
1: Kind of like a comedian, a stand-up comedian who works the room. Yes. Instead of instead of does his material, which is probably exactly. you know a good stand-up comedian has good material. But if you ever see somebody who just does crowd work, right? It, it, it's what you guys did. It's it's funny. It's off the top of your head, so it's not uh, polished. Uh, sometimes it's not perfect. And that's what makes it funny
0: well uh, i think you know that's why i was you know um, you know telling people that you know dan really was the creative engine behind everything because like if something topical would happen you know something would happen in the news we'd get an idea we'd you know slap together a novelty song and dan with his skill and speed and you know ability to produce that kind of stuff um so quickly we'd have stuff on the air like the next morning you know so it was very immediate and very uh, we could respond to anything. We we're very nimble, very quick that way.
1: And Dan, you are a you're a bit of a of a creative uh, song producer. Uh, you've done you did many for the zoo, right?
2: We uh, yeah, we had I, I couldn't count the number. You know, we could sit down and try and list them, but they're mostly just kind of cheesy little two minute pieces uh, with kind of a funky little music piece. Uh, the company and tony wrote a lot of great lyrics by the way or had great ideas we were really good collaborators because yeah. we could complete each other's sentences or finish a lyric but yeah. yeah we we would just do it on the cheap sometimes we'd go really big and hire a full band and go into a studio but, but i mean there uh, were times
0: yeah. that we'd fully like local you know performers you know and, and singers and just bring them into the booth band, it's like get them to sing something for us like you know i mean it was just it was very uh uh fresh very
1: fresh. But well, you had the uh, you had the gravitas, as you said. Once you once you got to the status that you were, now you're someplace people want to be. So local artists, yes. Hey, Z100 wants me to come in and, and 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 be on the show or add something to their music bed. Uh, that's where the, that's where you needed to be. Right. Yeah. yeah.
2: It's it's a nice and what a great atmosphere. I, you know, I've always been around musicians ever since I was in high school radio, and then. Just being around musicians, I was never a musician myself, but I just enjoyed the atmosphere. And so if I got to call in the top recording artists that are based in Portland to do something, you know, it could be five or six different projects within a couple of months. And I've got, you know, some really pretty big local names in. It's so cool to be able to do that. And then combine them like when we did with the Portland Trailblazers, we get the team And, you know, Dan Reed or the U-Crew or people like that together, which they would never have gotten together before. And then, you know, we create a charity song and, you know, raise a bunch of money for the Boys and Girls Clubs. I mean, it's those, Tony said it once, he says, where you take this this big steamship or you turn the transmitter one direction, instead of just having fun all the time, you can actually raise money for charity Mm -hmm. and, and do have fun at the same time. I love that. I love doing that. I love that about the, the station because basically we had the audience and they trusted us to be able to come up with something either funny or moving or something that yeah. they can participate yeah. in. We, I remember, you know, the AIDS ep- uh, epidemic was a sort of kind of a new thing still at that time. And
0: we did sh- full shows about that, like a mor- in the morning drive, we would bring in doctors and talk on the air about, you know, what is this? You know, what's going on with this? That's pretty edgy, relevant stuff in those days for a morning, you know, entertainment radio Mm -hmm. program. Um, So I was really proud of all things you did. Um, Speaking of famous musicians, uh, 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 Kenny Loggins, Dan, this (laughs) is one of my favorite shows because it was (laughs) Valentine's Day. I forget the year, but he was in town and he came in and we, we got a microphone in front of his guitar. His guitar player was there and he probably played for
2: four hours and just played every song we knew. Do you remember this? Oh God, yes, I, I love it, and uh, you know he was he, was he was one of those guys that that uh, just loved to perform, yes. and loved to be around people, right? Um, and yeah. then some star, some some artists that you would bring in, maybe they're tired, they're easily tired or whatever. But he was he was one of these guys, and he would do anything that you asked him to do. Yeah, we had sure. Tony wrote uh, a custom version of Footloose, and of course. <laughs> I will send that to you that way you can put it as part of this, this uh, video cast. But um, it, it, I yeah. love the part where he, you know, he just decides to start singing and, and um, I don't know, he's, he's Whoops. amazing guy. And there was something about people like I remember when Debbie Gibson came in and she was kind of a pop star, kind of a teen
0: sensation thing. But she came in and and Dan, of course, you know, has the keyboard set up, has it all wired into the board. And she sat there and she knocked out this version of Crocodile Rock because she knew Elton John. they were like buds. And she had just seen him or something. So she played it off the cuff and it jammed. And I and just she was so talented hearing her without all the production of like a recording studio kind of thing, just playing and singing. It was like, I get chills thinking about it, but I mean, it's many, many of those moments with people in the studio.
1: So yeah, Tony, that, that picture of Kenny Logg is, do you think that's eighties or nineties?
0: Uh, I think that was 91 ish.
1: Okay. Uh, I, I was with him that day. Oh, really? Really? Yeah. So you here's, I, 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 well, <laughs> Cause I remember that and his uh, guitar player was a guy named, I think Chris Ferguson or something like that or, yeah. or, or, or yeah. yeah. So, or anyway, so uh, if it was the nineties, here's, here's what happened is they, um, his people called our station and for some reason I picked up the phone and, wow. and they were, they were looking for AM Northwest at channel two, uh-huh. <laughs> but, they, but they got KGW at channel eight. And they said, you know, Kenny, Kenny Loggins is coming to town to promote his album and, right. uh, and he's going to go to all these radio stations and we wanted to get him on your talk show. Uh, and I said, well, well, you don't want to be on that talk show, but let me let me tell you, can can we be with Kenny all day and follow him around as he does that work at radio stations? Oh, and, I, nice. and I happened to say, you know, can we ride around with him in the limo? because uh-huh. I'm assuming a guy like Kenny Loggins who's riding around all these radio stations <laughs> is going to be in a limo. And she, she says, well, let me check. I'll get back to you. She gets back to me. she says, yeah, you can ride along with Kenny in the limo. So, <laughs> so then, so we go out to the airport that morning when he's showing up, because he's going to do your station. Uh, he did uh, an, another one. He's going to do as many stations around as possible. Right. So Kenny and, and his girlfriend at the time, became his wife now is his ex-wife uh and my photographer we get in this limo and the the band manager is the manager's there his guitar player is with him and maybe like a roadie or something like that mm-hmm. uh, uh and uh the limo driver says you guys ready and we go kenny goes yeah let's go so kenny Loggins and i we're driving to the first radio station someplace it it, it was back down it was big big pink down there something like that we knew where we were going and we get there and we just follow we got the camera he walks in he shakes the hand of the you know station manager Uh, and they they, and you're right he'll do anything and he goes he goes on the air and he starts talking to the guy and we're recording the whole thing and then and then when he's done he goes down the the hall and he does hi i'm kenny Loggins, and you're listening to uh khv in portland and whatever And all of a sudden, the manager comes barging in the door and goes, where the hell have you been? Because there was no cell phones back then. And the the limo driver was supposed to wait for him and the entourage in the van. And (laughs) they basically thought that we had kidnapped Kenny Loggins.
2: Oh,
1: my God. Uh, And so – you know my photographer we've got everything we need and we know he's coming to kink in the afternoon in our building and we're going to get go more ahead. there we yeah. kind of we kind of go oh we got what we need we we'll leave and he fires the limo driver and all that kind of stuff uh oh. and then uh, he shows up <laughs> he shows up at kink in the afternoon and just like at your place um he did a concert on the air for him
0: yeah yeah, yeah exactly yeah
1: and we recorded that and so we're all done, and uh, he's in our building. And I, he just says, Hey, thanks for letting us do this. And, he go, and I said, We're working on this story. He goes, How's the story? Mm. Kenny Loggins says to me, How's yeah, the story? Right, yeah. uh, and I said, Well, come on down, we'll show it to you. Wow. <laughs> so Kenny Loggins and his girlfriend and his manager come down. And they sit behind my photographer, whose name was Tim Herman, as he edited the story, yeah. <laughs> which, which showed him, you know, doing what he did with radio stations like yours to promote yeah. his album and stuff like that. And, and he watched it and he laughed at one of the lines that I wrote and everything like that. And he came okay. out and I said, hey, that was really cool. And I thought, you know, here's a guy who who's we used his song at my wedding and I listened to him growing right. up right. and now I get to show him my
2: work. Right. Man. And he
1: liked it, and it's it's one of my greatest memories of being a reporter is getting to kidnap Kenny Loggins.
0: You know, you know who was not very cooperative in Dan. I think you remember this too. Was uh, Alice Cooper? Here he is choking me. <laughs> oh God, yes. Oh. <laughs> no, he was. He was. Uh, I asked him. So I said, uh, I don't know. Just choke me. <laughs> And he did.
2: <laughs> <laughs> My favorite uh, celebrity pictures, right there.
1: At least he well, cooperated you know, with that.
2: Yeah, no, he was great. <laughs> he, he was in town doing a morning uh, interview for uh, his new album, or uh, I think he, is, he was on the soundtrack of uh, you know a, a movie movie soundtrack. Yeah. Right? And um, but we were on the air, and he said, well, hey, Alice, would you like to join us for lunch?" I said, well, sure, and talk about cracking open uh, an idea on the air live. And we both, we all agreed. So we went down to the spaghetti factory at noon (laughs) and we took listeners with us that we recruited right after Alice said, yeah. And so we had like 20 people down there, 20, 30 people at this big long table. We just showed up with Alice Cooper at the spaghetti factory.
1: (laughs) Table for Cooper for 20. (laughs) Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah.
1: No, he's actually a
0: very, uh, very uh, interesting and, and, much more sincere person than his persona. Uh-huh.
2: Yeah, so that, that's not blood; that's marinara sauce. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> no exactly. uh,
1: so I don't remember you guys ever. Uh, you know, you taught, you pushed the envelope, but I don't think you guys ever went over the line. As we have heard, by you know, some people cross the line and end up getting disciplined by their radio stations. You guys never, uh, you guys never went that far. But you think, think of some of the irreverent stuff that you did. That uh, how how close did you guys come to? Uh, having to go down and see the boss <laughs>
2: oh god uh well i remember once we made a we were really really stupid there was this law firm called haw and foot that would advertise on radio it's like you know as liability lawyers you know if you've ever been torted if you've ever been damaged call haw and foot and so we one of our guys came up well john murphy came up with this this fake spot for ha ha and foot, the comedian lawyers, ha <laughs> ha and foot. And it's like made this ha 32nd fake commercial, right? The dumbest thing that you would ever want to do because they are attorneys and they're clients. <laughs> you don't make fun of attorneys or clients, but when they're both, Oh my God, the wrath of God. And we had a general manager just kicked our butts And I happened to be on vacation when the butt kicking happened. So Murphy got to take advantage of all of it. Murphy actually went to the boss and offered to resign. It was that bad. No, I don't want to have you resign. I want to resolve this.
0: (laughs) Well, a lot of things too, I think, you know, in those days we did a lot of stuff on the phone with, uh, with listeners, you know, so, so, you know, um, and, and most of it I think was just was live for the most part. So there was like legalities around that that we'd have to be careful with. Um, but you know, I don't think we ever. Nothing was ever mean-spirited. I know that. I mean, I, I know we were just. But in the context of doing a live show for as long as we did it, with that many people participating in it, you know, things kind of pop up. But I mean, there was never. Um, I think that's part of what, what made the show popular as well was that um, there was sort of a kindness and a heart to it. We weren't sort of like being uh, gratuitously vulgar or. Um, you know, trying to shock people into listening, um, which I, which I, I felt good about that. You know, um, I felt I had a clear, clear conscience about it. Right. You, you
1: could well. trust
2: us. <laughs> What's that? You could trust us. Yes. Yeah.
1: Right. It, it wasn't. You guys were uh, irreverent, but you weren't like shock jock. You weren't trying to get attention no, no, no. for being yeah. as crazy as you could be. And 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 wow. uh, there, isn't it the old radio trick when you called people? You know, if you like. Called some restaurant you you read about doing something weird you you know they answer the phone and say hi you're on the air and then you get right into the bit so that you could you know your out was hey we told them we're on the air
2: right yeah 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 yes. yeah sure we did yeah no that rule was broken substantially and often I mean it was like something that we would never ever be able to pull off today but it, you know you best you absolutely have to let people know that they're being recorded and often we did not. And oh. a lot of our best calls are from that. I mean, we called Michael Jackson in the hospital in New York after his, you know, he collapsed during an HBO special and we got him on the air, but under a ruse with uh, Nelson being the uh, Bill Clinton impersonator. <laughs> you know, like, you know, oh
1: that was definitely. So Nelson, was he actually an intern?
2: No. Um, he he liked that persona. Um, he, he started off calling in our, our our station just like a regular listener and he'd do a voice or a joke and then he would just hang up. And it's like, who is that guy? Who is this guy? And we eventually got him to answer to, uh, you know, stay on the phone for a second. We met him and had him come in like a couple days a week and do voices and stuff. Uh, his real name is Randy Middleton, and he, he, he was working at a print shop in Portland. And he was just one of these crazy voice people that could do a lot of stuff. A very, very funny guy. I I enjoyed working with him in in many ways.
1: Well, he he, he went on to have a, a a very long career in radio in in Portland, doing at different places, right? Yes.
2: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Several people have actually.
1: I uh, um I was never a big fan, but I was always um. Uh, really intrigued by Phil Hendry's radio show where he would, he would interview himself and make voices and be, you know, make up fake things. And I I always uh, thought that, uh, I mean, he was a master at that, but there, there was some place in radio for uh, for like a repertory theater of actors where you would make up a bit for the, for the, for the day. And and everybody would play different parts and, and, and none of it would be true, but you could, you could probably suck people in. Right. (laughs)
2: Yeah, I think you're right about that. I, the Phil Henry thing, I think, was he was too hip for the room. People did not know that he was doing both voices. Tell he them. thought they thought they were really just people either calling in or just another another person portraying this this character. Right? Not only, I mean, it, I think it was obvious if you ever saw a video of Henry doing his gig because he would do both voices simultaneously. Of course. Uh, talking to himself but most them, i mean he was so good you couldn't tell
1: i know he 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 could switch from his announcer asking a question to some somebody answering with a different voice just on and off interrupt himself and do it he was really really good that
0: yeah
1: uh, so I, uh I'm so that means you guys are older than me
0: <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I'm, I'm not <laughs> I'm
1: uh, so uh, the core of the Morning Zoo lasted into the 90s, right?
2: Yeah, um, and then we kind of fell apart again, and we ended up reconvening with John Murphy as host, but it, the name didn't stay. It was John Murphy and the Morning Show, or so the name Zoo disappeared, and there was some success after that uh, in the late 90s, but... Then it just became a morning show and I honest to gosh, I don't know who's on it now, but uh, the station's still there.
1: Yeah. And and the logo,
2: I, the logo has changed. This was this was the cool I got, uh, I got bag of t-shirts, you know. Uh, and and this was one of the first jackets
1: there. Yeah, yeah. Nice. See that?
2: Uh-huh. Classy.
1: Pretty you have cool. a you have a whole closet full of that stuff at home, Tony? Well, it's more of a box,
2: but uh it's yeah, here, I, I brought out all of this stuff. I yeah. you guys might like to see. Here's it's lying. way too much. I, I was honest to God, I had it on my bedroom floor because I was going to throw it all in the washer because I want to get rid of it and I don't want to donate it without washing
0: it. Hey, Dan, quick question. So I have this, this cart. Oh, a cart. <laughs> of Wan playing 30 Seconds of Blues in New York at the Grammy week. Can Do you, can you, do you have the device you can play this on somewhere in your garage? Do you have a cart machine?
2: Uh, I don't. I don't have a okay. device like that. This but I, awesome. think I, have the, I think I have the original. Do you? Okay. Stevie Ray Vaughn and Tony Martinez. It was really a cool thing in New York right. City. Yeah. yeah.
1: Uh, you know, but it's it's not unusual. You know, radio changes so much over time. Uh, when when I was a kid in in the Portland area, we were listening to you know, KISN Kissin Radio, sure.
2: Just, which was yes. which was.
1: AM And their competition was KGW and it was mostly yeah. mostly music top 40 uh, FM in those days was like, you know, the dark web. Uh, yeah. And then uh, obviously, uh, you, you know, things changed so much over time and, and radio is just notorious. You, you guys were lucky that, you know, you didn't come in one morning and say, Hey, you're, uh, you're now, uh, you're now Christian music go.
0: Right. <laughs> no, the format lasted, but we were successful. I mean, yeah. know, they were going to blow it up for, uh, no good reason. So, I mean, yeah, you know, success was, has a lot to do with that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we did. I thought we did really good work You know, for, for the, that, those core years. You know, I think we really touched people. And like, I mean, still to this day, um, in fact, and during Christmas, um, we were doing some kind of a, a toy drive. I always do it at uh, KPT, KPTV. And I got a letter from a woman who said, you know, 30 years ago, when you we run Z100, you guys did the jam and salmon and salmon claws, And you gave my kids all um, gifts for Christmas. And every Christmas, now they're grown and they have kids. They talk about how the Morning Zoo, you know, made their Christmas that year. I mean, that's pretty amazing. It is. You know, I hear those kind of stories a lot from people who um, – Dude, they just have great, you know, positive memories about what we were doing there, and I mean, it's it's humbling um, to to have been a part of that, you know. But I mean, really, the listeners uh, kept us going and kept the whole thing going, and you know, they're the ones who deserve credit and deserve thanks, really. I think.
1: And Tony, you uh, moved into, you know, with those looks, how could you not get into television?
0: Well, that's the thing, you know, because <laughs> when you got when you got this one for you, Carl, I mean. Look out, that is a a face that's just waiting. That this is yeah, it's not a big head. (laughs) Um,
1: You went went to Good Day, Oregon, obviously. Uh, in (laughs) state, that was uh, uh, you couldn't do both because it it was a morning news program, right? I I, I got fired actually from Z100. Oh, I didn't know that. Well, now you know, (laughs) there's got to be a good story there.
0: Well, it's not, not for me, it wasn't. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, Clint, Clint Sly fired me as our uh, journal manager. Yeah, you know, but I'll tell you, Carl, frankly, um, this was like, 1996. And by then, to me, I think I think I had sort of aged out of the morning zoo. I think we were all kind of aging out of it. And it felt like we were getting more and more desperate to do things that my conscience wasn't as clear of, of uh, about doing. I remember we gave away tickets to the Super Bowl one time. And the winner was chosen by putting numbers on the ping pong ball on the ping pong balls. Uh, the ping pong balls were dumped into the toilet at the TV, at the radio station. And then someone was, was pulling the ping pong ball out of the toilet water to pick the number that, of the winner. It's like, I've been at the party too long.
1: Jump the shark.
0: So, you know, um, and I'm not saying people weren't still doing some good work there, but to, for me, I think I was ready to go. And I think they knew that. So anyway... Um, they cut me loose, but um, that's right when Good Day Oregon uh, was just coming on the air. So I was original member at the Morning Zoo, and I was an original member at uh, Good Day Oregon. So i um, been 25 so, years in August. I
1: was doing mornings at Channel 8 at that point. We'd been doing it for a while, and, and you guys came on. It was uh, Kathy Smith was your news anchor. She was. was. came coming from KGW, and uh, was it uh, Stevenson? Was it – what was the Nora name of Stevenson
0: it? and Ken Ackerman. Ken
1: Ackerman, who yeah, also came yeah, from Channel 8 uh at previously uh and and i mean good day Oregon has been a long and successful uh morning news program uh when i left in 2014 you, you guys had been the top rated morning station for news uh for quite a while i yeah. hope i hope it's still going strong
0: yeah, it still is yeah and we celebrated 25 years on the air uh last month so that's pretty good little run for local tv show so.
1: yeah. yeah uh and how how Did you ever fly in a helicopter for traffic? You don't do that now. The
0: first seven years I was up in uh, Air 12. It goes up now, but I'm not in it. But um, I'll tell you what we didn't have, Carl, and you will tell too for a while. We didn't have two helicopters, only one of which actually had a camera on it. People don't know this, but Carl, you know what I'm talking about. You guys had the power of two and you had two helicopters, but one was just had the paint job. (laughs) and didn't have a camera attached to it.
1: And it did. It did. It did forestry logging work in its pair, right. spare time. Could have had the paint job. <laughs> that, that was actually before I got to K two because I was at I was at eight where they had chopper eight, um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I do know of the power of yeah. two, the helicopter wars.
0: Right. Uh, well, people still say that too. They'll go. They'll, and again, it's been probably you know. 12 years since I've been in the helicopter and they'll go, saw you in the helicopter this morning. It's like, <laughs> no I thing. don't know what you're watching,
2: bro, but that would not me. So <laughs> what, Tony's picture. Yeah, it was probably right. yeah, somewhere, I'm sure, I'm sure.
1: Just tape it to the windshield. Yeah. Uh, I, I was never a fan of helicopters. I mean, I I have a lot of respect for you being up there. I just uh I always wanted the uh, the apparatus I was in's main job was to keep me from crashing. (laughs) And I I always felt like the main job was getting the shot.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Well, half the time, I mean, the weather would be bad. And we'd be sitting on the ground for four hours doing traffic reports in the Hillsborough airport parking lot. So, I mean, (laughs) you know, I'm much better equipped to be a part of the show, provide information being in the studio. So
1: it's good. And you, you add more to that show than just traffic. I know. Right.
0: Well, I mean, traffic's funny because, you know, it's, it's important information still to this day, but, um, but it does lend itself to, uh, allow you to have some room to be yourself within the context of who you're working with. Just like, just like the morning zoo was, you know?
1: Well, and and again, technology has changed and, 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 uh, like I know at channel two, they now have a photographer named Mike Warner who works the morning shift and, and he's not the traffic they still have a traffic person which i think is hannah Olson, but um uh but warner has the technology in his car now that he can drive around he gets to all these he he was not a reporter he was just a photographer but he was really uh uh uh, intrepid he would get places and they put him. they put him on mic and and now he's a real vital part of their show uh uh because he's just a good news guy and he's a cameraman and he gets around and and, you know so the, the technology of what you can do Uh, in that morning news spot, whether it's traffic or or live cameras, things like that, has changed so much. They're they're so much more versatile.
0: But, you know, Carl, people always will have a place in their heart for a well-told story, regardless of how it's being told. Technology's going to change connect to real people telling real stories.
1: Absolutely. Uh, Was Andy Carson part of the original part of the He Andy
0: a, and I are the two people on the show now that were original members uh, when we started in
1: '96. Is Andy a good guy? Oh, God no. See now, what I mean, Carl, and Of course, he's a good
0: guy. See, i horrible. He's like I've, a little uh, pet mascot. He's he's an adorable young man. He's great. I, I uh, he's
1: awesome. I've never met. I never met him. I never met Andy. I, I I've run into you a few times over the over the years. Uh, yeah. I, I guess I hold a grudge, and I'll tell you why. Um, okay, yeah. first of all, I thought he was really good on the year. I mean, he, really? he his, his, his gig, what, you know, I know yeah. he had some comedy training. I thought, I thought Andy was really, really good on him. But one day after the whole Tanya Harding thing went yeah. down, you know, uh, you know, many months past she'd been, you know, nobody, nobody'd seen her and nobody knew what was going on. She, You guys got her at channel 12 in the morning Mm -hmm. to be on your show and and to talk about whatever, you know, wrestling match or whatever she was doing. Uh, And 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 we're all watching, and and you're on later than everybody else. You're Mm -hmm. all we're all watching and going, Oh, they've got Tanya Harding. What's she talking about? Mm -hmm. So we all got sent to your station because we knew where she was. Oh, to wait for her. To 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 wait for her as she came out so we could, you know, do the typical, Mm -hmm. hey, what's going on? You know, the 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 big group thing. Right. And, goddamn that Andy Carson! He walked her out to the car, <laughs> and so any shot we had of Tanya Harding okay, Andy had Andy Carson right. in it. And it's I was thinking, me. like, see, Andy, you already kicked our butts like crazy. Right. Could you get out of the shot? He was just being a gentleman, Carl. No, just he
0: was being a gentleman. He, he was being
1: crazy. he was being really good for for your <laughs> for KPTV because uh, he ruined all our shots. <laughs> So you, you tell Andy, uh, okay. I, I respect I his work. I think he's really good on the air, but I'm never going to forget that. Just to break your heart one more time. <laughs> <laughs> I discovered her. I remember. Okay. <laughs> Dan, tell me about your life after the zoo.
2: Oh, gosh. Um, after the zoo, I've just been uh, working in sales. Uh, I did after the zoo. I went to a couple other stations. I went to kink for a while. Oh, really? And then I, I helped launch uh, The Bull, uh, the morning show. It used to be a KUPL. but they, they renamed it the Country Station, The Bull. And I helped them relaunch that. And I got a bunch. I love doing this. We got a whole bunch of country stars and recorded 30 days worth of morning show hosting. So they guest hosted for 30 days. Nice. People like Blake Shelton and, uh, oh, gosh, Kelly, Carrie Underwood, uh, Brad Paisley. And I, I got them to record a bunch of stuff that we could use and have them hosting the morning show. And so that was a great launch. That nice. 2008, I guess it was, 2009. Now I can't remember. Um, so I did that for a while. Uh, country wasn't really my forte. I, I kind of like rock and, so, and pop music. So I, I, like Tony said, eventually in in radio, you kind of age out in the music formats. Yeah. Um, and so I'm, I've just been making more money now than I have in a long time <laughs> instead right. in sales. By so. right getting out
1: of radio. <laughs> so, yeah.
2: Well, radio kind of, you know, the competition of Spotify and Pandora, yeah. uh, multiple cable channels, uh, so many different. You What's know, frustrating to me is, you know, I got my phone here and I, I tried to get uh, the National Association of Broadcasters to petition Apple to put an FM and AM tuner in here so you don't have to stream, use your streaming minutes to be able to hear a radio station. I don't know why they didn't. It's just so frustrating because you could have people listening to AM and FM radio right now just without having it, you know, just turn the phone on and have to be an antenna like an old transistor radio, but they didn't do that. So unfortunately, radio is kind of, Dropped a bit on the uh, totem pole of pop culture, although it's still very much well listened to, and uh, uh, there's a big audience there.
1: Yeah, you just don't uh, get your music there anymore. I mean, what what you guys did for all those years uh, on Z100 uh, probably never happens again. It, it was it was it was a it was a time in the history of broadcasting, and it happened all you know all over. But but that that has gone, and probably doesn't come back. It, you know, now it's-, now it's podcasts.
0: You could well, right. Podcast. right and and those and there's some obviously there's some amazing podcasts, but but I think you know what what we could accomplish then, what made special was the spontaneity and and the people talking to you on the radio were right there in the same town you were. we beamed in from a satellite, mm-hmm. so we're so we speaking your language, your cultural language of, of living in Portland, Oregon today. So you know we were able to to convey that I think to people, and that's what they responded to. That's what you can't do. I mean, you know, I listen to the cable. I have you know, so I'm a tuner, you know, that's a local radio station. It's not a popular, you know, radio station in terms of like a huge listening audience. But I mean, the, the point is that there are fewer and fewer local t- radio stations doing local content that's really of high caliber, that's widely listened to. That doesn't happen at
2: all. So, yeah. Yeah.
1: The good old days, which is the name of this podcast
2: the, good the media day. good old days. <laughs>
1: Tony, did I read that you're teaching?
2: I've been teaching at
0: Portland State for about 15 years. I have a master's in social work, so I can teach at the, uh, as an adjunct at the university level. So I teach a class called Latino Popular Culture. Hmm. Um, been doing that for 15 years. So yeah, class actually starts on the 27th of September. If you want to register, Carl, there's probably still rooms online.
1: Nah, is, is the whole thing online?
0: Uh, yeah, you know, I used to teach in the classroom, but of course, uh, we all were online. Uh, last year, and then um, this year we had the option, and I've got it pretty dialed in to do it online, so it, it's still fine to do it that way. I miss being in the classroom uh, with students, but um, but yeah, no, it's, it's a whole other part of my life that I find very really satisfying and very gratifying, and, and lucky to be a part of. So.
1: Yeah, that's cool. I'm glad you're you're giving back like that. I uh, I kind of fell into teaching when I left for a few years to do, I was teaching video production at a middle school. And, and, th- and that's, that's one of the reasons that I left w- when I did, uh, it's a long story, but um, I, I wanted to leave at a time uh, after 31 years that I was still capable of doing some other things. Right. Uh, and, you know, and Dan, you moved into sales and you're doing good. It's, it's, it's nice to do what we did in our different areas of, uh, of broadcasting, uh, but it's, it's nice to take that experience outside the world and, and see, uh, see some other things. And that's exactly,
0: uh, exactly. that's cool. Yeah. TV stations can, or radio stations, for that matter, can be a very um, specific little world. Um, but when mm-hmm. you have a natural, viable reason to be involved in other parts of the community, like education, for example, I mean, it really enriches your life and opens up a whole new. Uh, experience so I really get a lot out of it. I mean, it's it's not me giving back; it's it's me greedily taking, take, like, <laughs> take, take. It's me ever since I've been on the on this little slurpy cup. It's just been me, me, me a whole time. There's Dan, Dan,
1: who's that? Dan, Dan has this you. is my
2: dog. I thought I'd show you uh, Kai, also known as Kai Lua. Oh, you got yourself one too. Oh, Bart,
1: this is uh this, oh no, it's a, it's a three dog night. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny so this is uh yeah, this
2: one's two years old and she's just a happy puppy oh two years old gosh oh got a little cute haircut
1: this uh-huh. is sloopy <laughs> after now. the song by the mccoys we always oh, say yeah. hang on sloopy oh uh-huh. all right we've jumped the shark when we've got dogs on the air so guys uh uh appreciate you uh joining my podcast and sharing the wonderful stories of the zoo and good day oregon uh i i'm proud to uh call you alumni now of the pdx media good old days
0: <laughs> well we had to fight our way past craig walker and uh <laughs> richardson to get here but it was worth the fight
1: <laughs> uh, good uh cool uh, thank uh, you deep- very
2: much